at the Sydney Cricket Ground. One man shot under pressure. This is where goal. The best kind of goal. What a legend. What a champion. Maybe daily. We're back. We're back. You should have never doubted us. Back, baby. We doubted ourselves. We're here for the 2022 year in. What are we calling this? <laughs> what are we calling it? 2022 Two. review of 2022. 22. Where we review 2022's top <laughs> reviews. Yeah, we're going to read the Green Guide reviews and uh, <laughs> just review them. Now we're going to go through the top 10 sporting moments of 2022, the Ooh. year that was, yeah. in the. 2022 review of 2022. <laughs> Gee, the naming committee didn't spend long on that one. <laughs> it was a hell of a year, but we're past it. We're through it. We yep. want to talk about it briefly. Might have to be a two-part of this one. We'll wait and mm. see. Mace, should we start with a prayer? Of course, every time. Every time. Let us pray. Mm. Let us pray for unbridled success for all Aussie athletes, coaching staff and fans alike in the mm. coming year of 2023. Mm-hmm. Let us pray that 2023 sees us rid of the Aussie, 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 oi, oi, oi chant. <laughs> the Olympics were 23 years ago. Move on. <laughs> and while we're at it, let us eradicate in 2023 the ubiquitous use of the suffix gate, i.e. sandpaper gate. Oh, all. Get over it. It's the least original <laughs> thing ever. There was Watergate and everyone went, yeah, it'll do. Chuck, chuck a gate on it. Anyway, let Shocking. us pray, Mace. Let yes, us pray. Yes, yes, In the name of David Boone, Kathy Freeman, Patty Mills, and Tommy Radonigus. One of the great names. All right. Pen. Let's get straight into it, I reckon. Yeah, let's so get right into it. We're going to get right, right into in it. the mix. Ten through six this episode, five through one in the second part. But first, I want to give some honourable mentions. These are legitimate. The Commonwealth Games was yeah. run and won. Australia won the Com Games last year with 178 medals, which was two more than the Poms. And our 67 gold was 10 ahead of England. It's time for a fucking republic, guys. Let's piss them right <laughs> off. Emma McKeon's Com Games career medal tally now sits at 20. Six gold medals won at Birmingham alone, but in typical fashion, all all the media were fixated on was a sordid love triangle between fellow swimmers Ugh. Kyle Chalmers and Cody Simpson. I've got a feeling swimmers would be real duds in the cot. Wouldn't they? Real duds. Wouldn't anyway. They? Especially on a waterbed. Oh, that'd be all right. <laughs> that'd be all right. So do that kick the dolphin thing. Oh, yeah. Maybe they're in motion together. A bit of like the worm at the same time. You know how you just said <laughs> the dolphin thing, which I'm pretty sure is a dolphin kick. <laughs> I was in the pool once and I was doing the like egg beater movement. I turned to a mate of ours, right. that dog, good friend of the pod, mm. and I said, hey, what's the name of that egg beater thing? <laughs> he goes, you mean the egg beater? <laughs> yeah, that one. That thing. Cheers. <laughs> anyway, good luck to McKeon and her blokes in the sack. Love McKeon. Cyclist Matt Glatzer had a massive stack and came back to compete, winning bronze against his Scottish opponent, only to have it stripped off him cruelly on appeal. This bloke is insanely resilient, though. He's already beaten thyroid cancer, so... Jesus. Should be able to shrug off losing third place to a Scot. 
He went home with scars aplenty, but loads of respect. And a couple of golds from earlier in the meet, so he'll be just fine. Madison Di Rosario won the wheelchair 1,500 metres. Wow. Then took it easy the next day and backed up by winning the marathon gold. Wow. Not bad. Unbelievable. In athletics, Eleanor Patterson wins the world title in high jump with a PB. Good on you, Eleanor. Not the sexiest sport, though. <laughs> so nerdy. So nerdy. What do you do? Do you flop or frisbee? <laughs> oh, God. Don't let your celibacy hit the bar on the way over. In football, it was a massive year. Some sad stuff first. Back in October, 130 football fans were killed during a stampede in Indonesia. On a lighter note, but not weight-wise, Ange Postacoglu wins the Scottish <laughs> Premier League. That's a bit harsh. Good segue. Sorry, Ange. Ange became the first Aussie manager to coach in the Champions mm-hmm. League. In that Champions League, Karim Benzema helped Real Madrid to victory, also mm. grabbing the La Liga title. Mm. Nice double. He got himself the Ballon d'Or. But his home nation of France making its second successive World Cup final and Benzema retiring without having to ever played in the tournament will be his international legacy. <laughs> In football still, more of a human tale this one. Nine months after collapsing on the pitch, as his heart literally stopped, Christian Eriksen went from being dead to rejoining Denmark's national team against the Netherlands in Amsterdam. A half-time sub, he scored on his very first touch in a 4-2 loss. And he said, I wish I was dead, you pricks. Step up. Anyway... Netball, the super flat broke and super in-debt super netball competition finally attained a super positive financial investment. Then Gina Reinhart's Hancock Prospecting pulled their 15 million sponsorship after complaints from an indigenous netballer in Danelle Wallen regarding Reinhart's father Lang and his comments towards First Nations people, fair name, Lang. Talk about pressure. With all that going on, Wallen made her international debut that weekend and scored the winner against England on the buzzer. Back to Australia, Weston. She finds proud Wallen to win it for Australia. Could you have written that if you tried? Danelle Wallen. Wow. Not long after, the Victorian government stepped in and summed up matching the original 15 mil, and it's a super result all round. Should we get into the top 10? Yeah. All right, let's yes. do it. Yes. That's the nitty gritty out of the way. Can I just, before we start the top 10, mm. I realised about half an hour ago, I didn't know what a la carte meant. So why only half an hour ago? On the walk here, were you thinking of getting some a la carte? No, well, I saw a friend, Doss, friend of the pod. We're talking about restaurants and it just sprang to mind. About a month ago, I was out with my brother and we were having dinner and we just said, the menu came around and said a la carte. And I thought, is that like a cart comes around? Yeah, like like yum cha style. (laughs) I thought it was like a cart. It sounds like something that should be for takeaway. (laughs) Ah, you want that in a cart? Um, I'll have it a la carte, thanks. Yeah, Yeah, and I just, everyone laughed at me at the table. Everyone, including the waiter. That's a bit harsh. It was wasn't it? He's like, you don't understand what a la carte was. I'm like, no, no, I don't understand. I just was like, I thought it was like a cart of food. A la carte. A la carte. Are you enlightened now? You're across it? I'm there. I understand it. I understand it. You and can pick ba- and choose. You can you pick, pick and, and choose. choose. Pick and choose. Not a set meal. Pick and choose. But yeah. it's pretty embarrassing. It should be called a pick and choose. <laughs> That's right. I knew exactly what it was about. The Pikachu, pick and choose. <laughs> a la carte. Bloody da. What's this podcast about again? It's about fine dining, <laughs> which I'm sure Broadway. is what you guys were talking about. Ten. A fantasy fulfilled. For adults who can count. Coming in at ten, we're heading to AFL. It was a season where Geelong smashed all comers. Daisy Pearce cemented her spot in the AFLW history as a bona fide pioneer. Stephen May had a few too many stubbies, then doled out a few too many home truths, then launched a few too many punches at some teammates for good measure. 
And all of a sudden, it could be Dee's dynasty over before it began. How very Melbourne. Hawthorne revealed the key to prolonged success was to take a page out of Collingwood's old book and implement systemic racism. Eddie Betts hammered home the point when detailing sickening levels of abuse he'd been subjected to. And the perpetual dumpster fire that is the Essendon Football Club once again delivered when they installed a God-bothering anti-abortion homophobe to do the top job <laughs> for the sum total of less than 24 hours. But our biggest footy story of 2022 comes from back in March during a match-up between eventual finalists Sydney and Geelong when Lance Buddy Franklin became just the sixth player in AFL slash VFL history to kick 1,000 goals, Unbelievable. Mason. Unbelievable. Only five players in history have done it before. Gordon Coventry in 1934, Doug Wade in 74, Lockett and Dunstall in 95, Ablett in 96. Here is Buddy Franklin in round two of 2022 on 999 goals. He steps forward now. He's done it! A legend! joins the Immortals and achieves a feat we'll likely never see again and the fans have rushed the SCG. This is awesome. One of the great moments. I'd say in the top 10. Probably in the top 10 being number 10. (laughs) You'd never know. I found the most bizarre thing about it or what gave me the most anxiety was after he kicked it. Oh, totally. That was... Panic stations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I could kind of see him looking like, ah, this is great, I'm about to die. My heart was racing watching the TV. It was unbelievable. It was a bit like the stages of grief where you go through <laughs> denial and anger and bargaining. And for- At first it was this joy and then it was, well, this is getting a bit weird. <laughs> uh, I hope he's all right. And then it was like, get off him! <laughs> it's like a crush. The aerial shot was like a school of fish swarming towards something. Oh, my something. God. Blood in the water. Unbelievable. Did you hear about the lady who... Porter ashes. Centre square. Okay, so there was a lady Porter grandma's ashes. There was a bloke who <laughs> proposed. Just really gets off on people scattering deceased Did he ashes. Propose on the ashes. Yeah. <laughs> After she poured them to the grandma. Good luck getting the ring on. So Nan's ashes proposal. <laughs> so confusing. Did you see Zach Tui? Zach Tui was in the crowd, and some bloke dropped his phone and keys. Tui dog. And Tui saw it, and went, "Ah, shit!" And there's footage of him picking it up, running back into the crowd, and like grabbing him. Kidding? The bloke, nah. The bloke squares up, thinking he's going to punch on. He's like, "Mate, you've dropped your shit. Oh, Here it is." There's Jesus. Ollie Florent and Chad Warner. Chad Warner supplied the pass to Buddy for his <laughs> thousand. They were seen walking around the bowels of the SCG and then outside in order to get back in. It was just bizarre. I always think with this stuff, it's a bit like State of Origin and things like that, but this was farcical and hilarious and beautiful. Like, if aliens landed... Well, not even that. Let's dumb it down. You know, ESPN in the States would be watching going, oh, yeah, cool. So you can just mob players, Unbelievable. But you know what? He saved it, buddy, because if he was yeah. really panicking and anxious, it would have been really bad. But he, he kind of embraced it, thankfully. He did. And got on the shoulders. There was a slight moment of panic. Yeah, he had the fear of like, yeah, oh, like, shit, what's going is... on? And then yeah. I think he kind of just was like, fuck it. It is what it is. Ride it out. Got it on the shoulders and went for it. I loved the footage when it happened. You'd think this director is like, you beauty. What a moment. Folklore. And then Dickie Knee just pops up in frame. Full silhouette. <laughs> like, you're down in front. You got 93 cameras at the ground. Pick a different one. <laughs> Dead set. It reminded me of when my mm. brother, friend of the prod, Broderick, saw Dunstall in the 90s kick 100. 
Oh, he ran, ran on. Out. He didn't run to Dunstall. Oh, yeah. He ran to Sydney Swans' Mickey O'Loughlin. Okay. And was on about, he's going to win the Brownlow this year. He's got this young fella, this young young halfback, going to win the Brownlow. Ran up to him, just said to him, you're going to win the Brownlow this year, mate. He goes, cheers, mate. Didn't get a vote in that Brownlow. <laughs> Did not get a vote. And he says every year, geez, he's hard done by Mickey O'Loughlin. Hard done by. Well, he still says it. Yeah, he still says it. Not even, <laughs> even Mickey's over it. The biggest Hawthorne fan ever. And straight to Mickey O. You're going to win the Brownlow this year, mate. That Am is I? so weird. Best stats. But, <laughs> what, okay, there's a bit to unpack there. What made him so sure of it when clearly he's a shocking, shocking oh, judge? Oh, oh, Not a single vote. How confident is he's going to the man? You're going to you win it. You know what? It actually sounds, knowing that he polls zero votes, it sounds like a beautiful sledge. Yeah, the saddest <laughs> yeah. day of my footy career. It rattled me. I was having a good season. And then they all ran on for Dunstall and one bloke just came over and sniped me. You're going to win the brown line, mate. Oh, just a single tear down Mickey's cheekbone. Since. Truth. Brilliant. It was O'Loughlin who got back. He's still going to get a chance. Oh, Michael. How much do you reckon that footy's worth? Oh. Couple hundred grand? Yeah, easy. For, ew, 250. Well, I don't have it. I'm not like. <laughs> it's not the price is right, mate. I'm not bargaining with you. Yeah, it would be worth a quarter of a mil, wouldn't it? Easily. Some drip would pay for it. Easily. Where is it? Have they got it? Has Buddy yeah, got it? Yeah, because some bloke took it, remember? That's right. And then threatened to sell it, and then everyone said, don't do that. And he came to his senses because they offered him heaps of merch, and he had a big signing over merch. of it with. Yeah, he got tickets and boots. Really? He got Buddy's boots. It's like, yeah, yeah, they were them. Cheers. And then the next day, I remember they showed, like, it's back at its rightful home, and everyone's like, oh, priceless. And he's in the backyard just like with his baby, just rolling it to his baby. It's just a footy, mate. Jesus, mate, get that thing locked up. I reckon your brother would spend quarter of a mil just to give it to Mickey O. <laughs> Number nine, the Ooh. German no. We move over to rugby league, a year that saw one of the greatest origin deciders of all time. It saw Newcastle taking out the NRLW in an ever-expanding comp, four more teams joining this year. Penrith went back-to-back, keeping the Premiership Cup at the foot of the mountains. The year ended with the Kangaroos holding off the World Cup, but the biggest story of the lot was the Manly Rainbow Jersey scandal, mm. which saw seven Manly Warringah players boycotting their Round 20 clash in opposition to wearing a rainbow on their jersey. You heard right. It was placed as a sign of inclusivity and diversity for the LGBTQI community during Women in League Round. Good evening. It was supposed to be Manly's moment to show its support for minority groups. But tonight, the club is divided. Seven players will not take to the field this week, refusing to wear a rainbow-coloured jersey. They went on to lose every subsequent game and (laughs) Coach Des Hasler has lost his job and the boycotting (laughs) players remain. This was madness and, frankly, sadness. I mean, who gives a... I know. It's insane, isn't it? Who cares? I wear tie-dye Crocs around. Who cares? (laughs) Well, that's something you should look at. (laughs) I might boycott our friendship. (laughs) Struth almighty. You know what? It was all poorly handled by Manly without having any consultation. But the hypocrisy of all this is just dripping. Their their stadium is Four Pines Stadium. So they're sponsored by a brewery. Pretty sure that's on board with all those religious Mm. angles. (laughs) And their main sponsor is a gambling company. They'll go along with that strewn across the two or so. But some brightly arched colours symbolising equality and love. I don't think so. No, don't want it. You know what kills me? Everyone's entitled to their opinion. Not if it's... Fucking stupid. 
<laughs> that's where I sit with opinions. No, everyone's entitled to it. No, they're not. Nah. They're not. They're not. They never will. Manly should be cut off from Sydney anyway. I well, hate that's that the bloke. only saving grace of this Military whole thing. Military roads are pain in the ass. It's good that it is Manly because at least everyone hates their guts already. True, true. I just true, hope true. they never play at my kids' daycare because it's nothing but rainbows and butterflies around <laughs> that. How would Ian Roberts feel? Ex-Manly player, oh. the only player to come out during his playing career. And yeah, they've just shat in the hand and rubbed it in everyone's faces, Manly. So good luck this season. We all hope you come dead last. Number eight. Uh. Number eight. Uh, number eight. Uh, number eight. Uh, number eight. Uh, <laughs> number eight. We're up to California, dude. Yeah. Back in September, where Steph Gilmore collected her eighth, yes, eighth world title, surpassing the previous record of compatriot Lane Beachley's seven. Stephanie Gilmore, she holds the record to herself, officially an eight-time world champion. What are your thoughts on surfing? I don't think it's a sport. Really? I don't think it's a sport okay, at all. Okay, coming in hard at number eight of the biggest sporting moments of 2022. <laughs> not even a sport. What is it? It's, it's a, a recreation. Is it, it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle, man. It doesn't... I don't see it as a sport. People aren't out there busting their ass. People are doing it at... Oh, I don't, there's some surfers that are hating you They right come now. out and they look like they've just been in a yoga session or they've had a m- massage. I guess the hard thing to reconcile sometimes with an individual sport, I, I guess running does this as well a little bit mm. where the athlete also does it for recreation. So it's like, mm. today I'm in a world championship event. Yeah. It's pretty stressful. Yeah. What are you going to do tomorrow on your day off? The exact same activity. <laughs> yes. Might surf better. Like that's always hard. Yeah, it's always hard when point. there's not a scoreboard, a ball, or a net. They're the three things that you normally equate with judging sporting events. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So when it's not that, like gymnastics or something like that, you're always like, ah, oh, there's a score, but I didn't see a scoreboard. There's no stopwatch. Yeah. There's no net. There's no that's ball. That's true. That's true. So I can it's, understand that. It's a very. It annoys me as well because everyone who surfs is so relaxed and. Right, not, so lifestyle. You know, it so you're jealous. Me. Yeah. I'm super jealous. You're just That's jealous all it is. That you can't do it. This whole thing's about jealousy. Yeah, good. Now, I'd love to meet like a, a stressed out businessman surfer who's mm. always upset. Fuck, couldn't catch a wave. This place is fucked. The stress surfy. Oh, <laughs> mate. But, it's, but he actually describes perfect conditions. Oh, mate, it's so so glassy out there. It's unbelievable. <laughs> nah, there's these sort of six footers that are just per- breaking perfectly. It's doing my head in, mate. If I don't get barreled before noon, I could be out of here. He's starting to sound like a MasterChef contestant. The traffic to get into this parking lot of the beach will still be heading. in. Oh. That's what I want to hear. Do you reckon the salt water's going <laughs> to rust to the murk or what? But congrats to Steph. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I was going to ask if you thought they didn't get enough recognition, but clearly not. Well, there's I've learned there's fantasy surfing where you can pick... That's me thinking about trying to surf. <laughs> There's like fantasy football. Yeah. There's fantasy surfing. Well, I've got a mate who lives in Manly, Morgan, friend of the pod. Fair brag. And I came out and he was like... You came out? <laughs> Don't let Manly know. Came out in Manly. <laughs> that happened. I was in the car with him and he just said, oh, yes, yes, McFanning got me points today. I'm like, what? And he goes, there's fantasy surfing. You have five For surfers. his points about like what Mick Fanning will do <laughs> 10 years after retirement. He got 10 points of punching a shark. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, you're joking. I made the shark my captain this week. <laughs> Who thought an apex predator was going to get beaten in the water? I mean, the whole sport or the lifestyle shits me. There's a guy named John John Florence and that 
really ticks yeah. me off. It's the double name. His mum had a stutter. Go it's easy. <laughs> I tell you what, the WSL were strong, though, on gender equality. Yep. They were the first to announce equal pay for men and women a few years ago. The first US-based global sports league. So there is that going for them. But you reckon just because they can rip bongs while they do it that it doesn't count as a sport. All right. Moving on. Sorry, Steph. You want to impress us? Win the world title nine times. Seven, seven, seven. The magnificent seven. They were only seven, but they fought like 700. Bring the kind of justice that would last. Seven, seven, seven. The magnificent seven. Coming in at number seven. Yeah. A massive year for the most privileged sport on the planet. Ugh. Just when you thought golf couldn't ostracize themselves more from the common woman. Or man. Or man. Oh, that was in unison. Along comes the Live Tournament, the LIV. And at number seven, it was our mulleted Aussie, Cam Smith, taking out the Claret Jug, winning the British Open, then breaking purest hearts by defecting to the Saudi-run Greg Norman-led Live Tour. I don't really know where to start on this. <laughs> Do we start on your thoughts on the shark, on the tour, on golf itself? Whenever I think of golf, I think of Greg Norman nude, which is a real issue when right. I think of golf. Just it's just those photos wood. of him doing He's such... What is his deal? He's a weird unit. He's a weird unit. That's his deal. I'm sort of leaning to liking him more and more I, as I, the visuals come in. What, I'm the visuals like... of him nude? <laughs> you literally, can I get a transcript? When I think of golf, I think of Greg Norman nude. What is his deal? <laughs> I like him more and more as the visuals <laughs> come up, in. It's just me coming out of the closet. Yeah. <laughs> I've been living a lie. <laughs> I'm in love with Greg Norman. <laughs> No, the weirdness. It's just sure. What, what, hang on. Well, he's consistent, which is nice. He's, he's clearly not trying to be someone he shouldn't, but some people probably should. Wasn't consistent at the Masters that year, was oh, he? I disagree. <laughs> he was consistent every time he, he had a lead. You ever watch golf on television? It's like watching flies fuck. But golf in general, I mean, is it any wonder that they all defected to make a shitload of blood money? Because it's so singular and privileged. It screams that kind of bullshit. Rebel tour. Oh, doesn't it? It's disgusting. They'd be praying to play in apartheid South Africa if there was <laughs> enough cash. <laughs> yeah, uh, Greg Norman, he freaks. He just... Freaks you right out. Yeah, he's yep. a real piece of work. And this whole thing's it's it's got creepiness to it all. It's well, crazy. Well, the Live Tournament. What's yep. Live stand for? L-I-V. Um, large Investments Violence. <laughs> large Investment in Violence. Not bad from the Saudis. Probably makes sense. It's not bad. Probably makes sense. It does. At least they're not hypocrites. <laughs> I think it's the Roman numerals for 54. And it's right. because that's the amount of holes they're playing instead of 72. So three rounds instead of four is their oh, big revolutionising. Wow. I think 54 is what you'd normally shoot if you birdied every hole. Yeah, it would be. Cause 72 is a course. Yeah. Anyway, shoot. If you have to explain it, guys, <laughs> it's shit. Sounds terrible. The only good golf thing is Caddyshack and Happy Gilmore. Yeah, spot and that's on. that's where I sit. In that order. What did you shoot today? Oh, I don't keep score, Judge. Oh, well, how do you measure yourself with other golfers? By height. I want to quickly give you a Mickelson quote here, though. Please. Good old Phil. Love him. Oh, yeah. This is in, I think, about March of this year, talking about the guys running the, the live tournament. They are scary motherfuckers to get involved with. We know they killed Khashoggi. He was the Saudi journo oh, that yes. they chopped up at the consulate in Istanbul. 
We know they killed Khashoggi and have a terrible record on human rights. They execute people over there just for being gay. Knowing all of this, why would I even consider it? Two months and roughly 200 million bucks later, <laughs> Phil gives the breakaway league credibility and hope when he and Dustin Johnson become the first to sign on. Clearly, when it comes to golf, morals have a price tag. <laughs> Fuck me. Is there... I was thinking about this. So good. Who are the most petulant athletes? Who are the worst? Mm. I reckon it's probably golf, tennis, or even Formula One. Something really oh, individualistic. Wow. Yeah, I'd have tennis number one. For yeah, sure. yeah. F1 it looks petulant, but you don't see all the stuff behind. Where in True. tennis, it's all out in the open. True. It's visually seen. Yeah. But F1, oh, reeks of it. it F1 reeks. does. The only thing is, I guess theirs is so frightening that you, you kind of need that arrogance to fuel your belief. Mm. Like, Tennis and golf, they won't even let people talk while they play. These guys can die if they take a corner wrongly. Like, calm down. True. Golf true, and tennis. True. So white, so privileged. So white. So annoying. <laughs> so annoying. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes for Cam Smith. Although yeah. we played the Aussie Open late last year and the crowd were 100% on board. So yeah, right. they might be just as fickle as fat Phil Mickelson. Fickle Mickle. Fickle Mickle. Fickleson. <laughs> Phil Mickelson, Fickle Mickle. a.k.a. Fickleson. <laughs> Ah. Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers, a peck of pickled peppers, Peter Piper picked. The Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers, where's the peck of pickled peppers Peter Piper picked? I did notice during COVID, during the yep. lockdown, when yep. you could only go 5Ks, our local golf course was open up because no one could play, mm-hmm. even though it was one of the only sports you could isolate. And it became a public space, basically. And then there was this huge push the last election locally oh. to, to get it made into a public park. Which is oh, like, right. I'm a bit torn on because I think that one of the great things about Australia is that you get to play everywhere because we've got the climate, we can afford it. You don't have to be ultra rich. You don't have to be a white man to play golf. You can you just sure walk up it? and play down the road. <laughs> it helps. Land that is currently being wasted on a meaningless, mindless activity engaged in, engaged in primarily by white well-to-do male businessmen who use the game to get together to make deals to carve this country up a little finer among themselves. I am getting tired, really getting tired of these golfing cocksuckers in their green pants and their yellow pants and their orange pants and their precious little hats and their cute little golf carts. It is time to reclaim the golf courses from the wealthy and turn them over to the homeless. Golf is an arrogant, elitist game and it takes up entirely too much room in this country. Too much room in this country. The fashion, we need to talk about the fashion. They get so into it. What are they doing? I went to school with a bloke called Paul Barber, friend of the pod, <laughs> and he was a mad golfer. I think he shot off like two or something back in the day. Anyway, he had savage golfer's nipple. Oh. Have you ever heard of golfer's nipples? He had the Anistons. Yeah, he had the Aniston, but on his left. So basically most golfers are sponsored by Golf a brand. Nipple. Yeah, and they've got a logo, like a Lacoste logo right. or whatever alligator that thing is, yeah, Polo, yeah, yeah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, Ralph Lauren. And it's a cross roughly where your left nipple is oh. and because they swing all day and they practice swinging all day it would rub against and rub. he used to have to wear band-aids over his nipples <laughs> so they wouldn't bleed during pe fact paul barber <laughs> shout out big pv happy new year happy new bobbies has got six at the g build the man a statue <laughs> what is happening here Howie? 
let's round out the episode with our number six. Speaking of selfish, privileged twats, yeah. 2022 was a huge year in tennis. <laughs> Rafa won the Aussie Open and the French going to 22 Grand Slam titles. Tunisian star Ons Jabeur became the first Arab player, a woman or man, or man, <laughs> or man, to reach the Grand Slam <laughs> final. But coming in at our number six on the countdown are dual men's tennis stories. Firstly, we had the Novaks saga Ugh. way back in January, if you can remember, with our world number one pencil-necked dweebazoid Novak Djokovic <laughs> being deported from Aussie shores over his unwillingness to get the jab. <laughs> we then fast forward to mid-year and a slightly new-look Nick Kyrgios, who actually seemed to be trying. That was hard to say. <laughs> Shock horror. Sports fans like it when you try, Nick. Kyrgios made it all the way to the All England Club's last day, ruffling plenty of feathers along the way. He eventually fell at the last hurdle, going down in four sets mm. to none other than the aforementioned serial turd Novaks. <laughs> what are your Novaks, Nick, tennis thoughts in general, oh, big boy? Oh, it's... Uh, it's a lot of hate Towards all of, of it Well the time of the story was No one could get rat tests No that And that was yeah. the story and it, But it was all about this dweeb Sitting at Tullamarine Not sure if we can let a millionaire in here To play some fucking tennis Yeah finger wasn't on the public pulse there Jesus The federal government has confirmed That Novak Djokovic's visa Has been revoked by the Australian government Tennis in general is such a I struggle to watch it. I struggle to like anybody. I don't like anyone in it. I'm a more of a Leighton fan just because he looks like a teenage dweeb with pimples. That's why I like him. Right. You can and relate. that I'm coming out that yeah, I, I was actually say, love men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's a hard sport. It's just so well, difficult to love. It's funny you say that because like, mm. apart from the majors, and even then it's got to be laid on. It can't be the first set. Like I'll watch any sporting event. Mm. But when tennis is on, I'm just like, ah, what is this, Indian Wells? It's terrible. I'm not watching Marty Fish playing Indian Wells. He's the one I will watch. (laughs) The only one you want. (laughs) Not an idiot. Marty Fish is on. I'm tuning in. Keep doing you then, champion. I always thought when they always go to Rod Laver after the the men's final. He's been dead for years. What's going on there? It's weekend at Boonies. (laughs) They're propping him up. Dead set. They cryogenically freeze him along with Richie Benno. (laughs) Like they used to freeze Richie in the winters. They cryogenically freeze him for every Aussie Open. All right, wheel him out. You know, a couple of years ago, before COVID, he went, someone interviewed him and said, oh, it must be surreal coming to your stadium. It's named after you. And he goes, yeah, yeah. Someone on the tram on the way here asked for directions to Rod Laver Arena, not knowing it was me. And I'm like, why are you getting the tram? Someone give that corpse a seat. Rocket Rod, come on. It's a wax. Oh, he's, he's full wax. He's like a Madame Two Swords version of himself, <laughs> but they turn the aircon off. He's just dripping. Salvador Dali's rocket rod. I hate the na- the stadium naming. Oh yeah, the people like especially Margaret Court and just. But I you don't... know what? Like forgetting Margaret Court as in like her personality and her beliefs. Mm. Why don't they call it Margaret's Court? <laughs> or just Margaret Court? It's Margaret Court Arena. Oh yeah, what's in there? A court. Oh, man, this was a layup, guys. This was a laydown mazair. We're going to name that court after Margaret Court. What do you want to call it? Oh, something, something <laughs> arena. Unless it's Tina Arena Arena. <laughs> they should, it should be Margaret Court and Rod Laver Arena should be Tina Arena. <laughs> you heard it here first. Far out. It takes a couple of us Nick and poops to finally crack the year's big stories. I'm in chair. I 
you know what? Just quickly on tennis. Yeah. Hard to watch. Hard to play. Oh. I feel really bad for anyone I play tennis with. <laughs> Genuinely, I, the whole time I spend apologising. I either hit it into the net on the bounce or I hit it over the fence. It's just a two-shot rally of me going, sorry. I'm Pat Rafter. Sorry, mate. Sorry, mate. It's sorry, mate. But what, sorry, what mate. about the surfaces change? What about that happened in another sport? Now we're playing the league game tonight on clay. Yeah, right. What's going on there? It's really different. It's one sport. of the only things that's got going for it. <laughs> what are we playing on lava this week? I might watch this. I always ask that as well. What's what's French Open on? Oh, clay. Yeah. Like I need to know. On like the car. So- <laughs> you know, on the car, it's actually what you get at a restaurant when you can pick and choose whatever you like. You can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious. That ball was on the line. Shark flew up. All right, Mace. Well, I reckon that wraps up episode one. That's yeah. our 10 through six. Do you mm. want to run through them again briefly just to fly Please. off the handle here? At 10, we've got Buddy's 1000s. At nine, we've got Manly being homophobic. <laughs> At eight, we've got surfing, which isn't a sport according to you. <laughs> I'm glad it made the top eight. Sorry, Steph Gilmore. You and your eight world titles can do one. <laughs> At seven, we've got the most privileged sport on the planet, golf, and our mulleted Aussie Cam Smith winning the British Open, losing the fans. At six, more privileged selfish twats with Novak's the biggest story of the year, and Aussie Nick making it all the way to the Wimbledon final. All right, we'll be back. I don't know when, but it's going to happen, and we'll do five through one. How does that sound, Mastodon? Sounds amazing to me, mate. All right, buddy, stay mint. Stay mint, Sonny. Love you, pal. Sneak out of Paul Barber's house to go to Jackass Gingers when we were 16. Fuck. Because they didn't check for ID. And on Thursday nights, it was dollar spirits. And I asked for a screwdriver once. (laughs) And the kid behind the bar was probably younger than me. goes, what's that? I go, it's three shots of vodka and a dash of OJ. (laughs) Getting triples at JG's. Jackass Gingers. (laughs) What are we talking there? It's on Caxton Caxton Street, right? (laughs) And it's changed names a thousand times. Just down from Hotel LA. Across from the Caco, yeah, next to Gambaros. Anyway, <laughs> the code. I don't understand anything you're saying. <laughs> anyway, it's no longer Jackass Gingers. It went from being GJs to something else to being some strippers called the Velvet Cigar. My God, finding two words and just putting them together. Oh, yeah, Jackass Gingers. <laughs> just seeing like just red. Is it all redheads? It's all red velvet in there and shit. Like all red velour. Oh, it sounds really good. Paul Barber shot his best round after a big night at GJ's. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't get his nipples licked, that's for sure. <laughs>